Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, the greatest part of any test summer is when we get to add new members to our family and welcome in new additions uh, into the fold. And uh, I was incredibly excited, as I'm sure you were too, when it was announced that uh, the man who made fielding cool uh, was going to be joining our commentary team for this three-test South African series. But he was more than just a fielder. He's an incredible batter, a wonderful cricketer uh, in every facet of the game and uh, one of everybody's favourites when he toured uh, Australia. Jonty Rhodes has been a brilliant addition to the SEN Test Cricket Team and uh, it's my pleasure to be speaking to him this afternoon. Jonty, hello. Sam, good afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, I'm all the better for speaking to you. Welcome back to Australia. How have you slotted in, do you feel, to the SEN Test Cricket lineup? Sam, it's really good to be back. I mean, it's, it's been a while since I, uh, I have toured Australia in any manner of sorts. So, so really awesome to be back in it and, and catching up with a lot of the guys that you know I've played cricket against on, and, and SEN for me, I haven't done a great deal of radio commentary. And, for, you know, I wasn't sure um, what sort of value I could add. But I do talk a long story and, and hopefully a good story. And, and I, I really enjoyed being able to sit and watch the entire sort of unfolding and the stages that unfolded quickly at the Gala Test. But just try and describe, you know, what you see. Because if you do television coverage, you, you, you have to sort of stick your focus to what has been shown on screen. Whereas when you talking radio cricket, it's amazing to be able to sort of draw a bigger picture and uh, of what's going outside. So I was really grateful. Um, also working with, you know, some of the, the, the presenters and experts on that and, and very, very enjoyable. Uh, what, what have you learned about the, the radio side of things maybe that you, you weren't aware of coming from TV? Which, and it is a shame that you say that you, you tell a long story because if you had got into a really long one, it might have gone longer than the actual test itself. <laughs> yeah, quite, quite comfortably. In fact, I had a few things planned for day three um, on <laughs> on air, but uh, those were those were shelved, put away for for a week. Um, so when you come back to Australia, what what are some of the memories that you you treasure most fondly here? I mean, I heard Jared uh, when he introduced you speaking about that incredible moment uh, in the World Cup '92. Uh, the Superman dive to get rid of Inzamam Al Haq um, in in the group stage of of that World Cup, which, of course, is also famous for, well, uh, making an incredible change in cricket, which is the DRS, uh, sorry, the, the DL, the Duckworth-Lewis Stern system that, that came in, or the Duckworth-Lewis as it first came in, after what happened with you guys uh, in the match against England. What what are some of your more treasured memories of Australia and touring here, Jonty? Well, amazingly, that, that first sort of World Cup in 1992, because South Africa if you can remember, was not yet a democracy. So, no. so we had, you know, political and economic, and rightly so, sanctions imposed on the apartheid minority regime. And Dr. Ali Bakr had, had real foresight and um, could see that at that stage in 1992, ANC was getting unbanned, Nelson Mandela was, was getting released. And we actually had a referendum during that World Cup. And, and you know, with all the, the great sort of cricketing highlights, especially my first game against Australia, not because 
you know, we managed to beat them uh, at the SCG. Kepler Vessels was now playing for us. But we, you know, we, we really didn't expect to be back at that occasion because we were not a democracy. And I think, you know, with all the cricket that, that took place and, and the excitement of that, in the middle of that World Cup, there was a lot of there was a couple of anxious weeks for us as a South African team because we were told the referendum that was taking place in South Africa about continuing with these changes about you know doing away with um, apartheid and and releasing and Mandela and unbanning the ANC. If the referendum mm. was a no and they were going to stick to the apartheid minority regime, we were we were, we were told we would have to leave the World Cup. So. You know, there was a lot of cricket happening and really exciting, but also a lot of anxiety about what was taking place politically wow. in South Africa. So, so real mixed emotions. And, and literally while we were here, the referendum was a yes, and it was, you know, a, a go for making changes. So we didn't have to worry ourselves with what was happening off the field because that's always so tough. I mean, it's just trying to control the thing that you can control is hard enough. And when there's external pressures and off-field pressures, it's really difficult to stay focused. Do you remember exactly when and where you were and at what stage of the tournament that the yes came through, Jonty, and the scenes and the feeling that would have been in the group? It, w- it would be a great story. Unfortunately, it's not one of my good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a cricket guy. And as I said, you know, from a, a politics point, I should know where I was that exact day and, and we, we were sitting as a team but I don't you know I, I would have to make up a story but if, if you ask me again next week maybe I've made up a good one <laughs> done <laughs> we'll do it all again next week um, well, given that you lived through all of that um, what's how do you feel currently about the state of South African cricket and if you could just paint a little picture of that for those who might not aware be aware of the precarious position that it finds itself in at the moment well, I think the interesting thing in, in South African cricket is that we still have a very strong infrastructure in mm. that our schools, the schools produce most of our cricket players and they're still turning out good ones. The biggest concern for me is the, the grade cricket or the state cricket, which, you know, they've, we've, if you look at our, and, and it, it highlights, you know, the, the worries and the issues that we have in the batting department here is that even though we've got experienced first-class cricketers, the, the batters in the lineup they don't have high, you know, they don't have high batting averages at first class cricket. I know te- test cricket is pretty tough, and not everybody's going to have players who've been there for six or seven years, you know, consistently. We've we've had quite a turnaround in, in our batting lineup for the first time, and that's that inconsistency in you know as as a team, even within a team, you work as a batting team, and it's it's important to have good relationships and and, and a good understanding of each other's game. But South Africa's fallen short in the last two seasons, and Things point towards a domestic structure in South Africa, the, the state, the sort of the state cricket, the provincial cricket in South Africa, where the wickets have not been great, um, so, so batters have, have struggled. But it's you know it's, it's easy to make excuses when when you're given an opportunity at any level, you have to take the most, make the most of it. So there's no concern about turning out and churning out international cricketers of quality because we certainly have that infrastructure. There's also no longer the the, the sort of the, the drain of resources. Because of Colpac, the, the Colpac ruling, where many young South African players thought, well, they're not going to make the, the South African national team and they'll go play in England. And that's no longer an opportunity for them. That Colpac ruling has been done away with. So cricket players stick it out in South Africa, or if they, if they don't feel they're going to make it, they can leave, they can leave the country. But many of the, the guys that were in the UK have come back. 
and it's also sort of shut the door on an easy exit. So mm. players need to knuckle down and, you know, if they want to be an international player, you stick around and you play in South Africa. So, so no, no big dramas for me with regard to the talent that we're producing. The biggest drama for me is that, you know, what are we doing at the level before international cricket? Because it's such a big jump at this stage for us yeah. to go from, from our provincial or state cricket to the international game. And, and let's face it, international cricket is not a learning school. You need to have refined the product before you, you know, you display it on the international stage. Uh, so, Jonty, will it be a blessing or a curse if, if you could look ahead um, as to the, the T20 league that's being started back by IPL franchises? Um, where do you see that and what effect do you see that having on the South African cricket landscape? Well, I think in, in, in quite a few ways, it's a, it's a huge blessing. Firstly, from a revenue point of view, Cricket South Africa has is in desperate need of of these sort of fundings that mm. that the, because we obviously got a lot of the IPL in fact all six teams are owned by IPL owners and uh, there's a, there's a huge injection of um, or investment into into that league and and into cricket South Africa which will hopefully go to the right places to ensure that the structures that we have are you know refined and 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 reinforced as opposed to it just disappearing into a sort of large hole of trying to plug too many areas so I think from from that point of view, and what I have seen in the IPL, I mean, I've been working since in there for 15 years, for, right? yeah, 14 years, yeah. is that there's, there's such an incredible platform for young talent. The only concern is, is that they all come firing as T20 players. So it's, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, the guys like Rishabh Pant in India, fantastic player in T20 cricket, he's brought the same sort of positive attitude into his test batting. You know, it doesn't work for everybody. You still mm. need your, your test players. Well, we're talking and, uh, about Dave Warner, and he's another great example uh, of that, that he started out as what we thought a T20 player, but he took that approach into test, and they're about to play his 100th test. So it is doable, isn't it? Like, you can start there and become what a Richard Pant or uh, a Dave Warner have become. Absolutely, Sam. But the key then is that, you know, if you look at the guys first class, and, and the only issue is that when you become an international star, you start playing less and less domestic cricket because mm. you know there's, there's tournaments all around the year at different times of the year. Um, some some cricket states or cricket boards allow their players. There's a, they sign the NOCs or the, the non-objective clause, and they're allowed to go and play in the different um, tournaments around the world. But most most cricket boards want their players to stay and and strengthen the domestic structure because if everybody just sort of disappeared during the domestic season. You know, you wouldn't have the experienced players and the hardened players playing first-class cricket and bringing through that young talent. So I think, you know, like I said, it is a double-edged sword because you can expose a lot of young players to this. Op- because you don't just play. You also work with international coaches. You work alongside yeah. international players in the nets. If you're not playing every game, you know, you're training, you're practicing with them, you're, you're sure. picking their brain. So it is a massive opportunity. And I think that's where... South Africa have needed that in, in, in the domestic or the provincial landscape. But it's, it's, again, a case of these young players that are identified, you know, what are they then doing at state? Because you can. You can turn your game. I mean, Jacques Callis was, was also somebody who wasn't even – he was the other way. He wasn't renowned as an attacking player, but just he played great test cricket. But he actually – he adapted really well to T20 because yeah. he played good cricket shots and was well rewarded when he was opening the batting because with the field restrictions – you know, less risky, wasn't just hammering away at every single ball. So there is, when you're good enough, you can make that switch. But the young players 
need to, you know, need to have a, a guiding hand and, and, and an opportunity, also almost a plan, I think. You know, too many guys saying, well, if I'm averaging 30, it's enough at first-class mm. cricket. It's not enough. It really isn't enough. It was interesting because there's a selection dilemma. You're talking about David Warner. I mean, just reading the papers this morning, who could replace him? And this summer, I mean, the four or five batters that they spoke about, they're all averaging the high 40s or even 50s at first-class cricket, having scored sort of 500 runs. And not everybody's an opening batter, for sure. But, you know, and, and South Africa hasn't got that mm. sort uh, of consistency. I feel like uh, we're speaking to Jonty Rhodes on, on Afternoons SEN, uh, the great Jonty Rhodes with us. Jonty, I feel like that's something in Australian cricket that hasn't has only been crept back in the last couple of years. There was a period where it was very similar here that our first class cricketers didn't have those averages that we saw players get selected on from years gone past, and it sounds like that's happening um, for for you guys at the moment, where the ball is the more dominant discipline um, at at your uh, domestic level, as it has been predominantly in Australia for a while as well. I wanted to ask you though, if we had a state of the union like a and all are coming together. Like the ICC opened the doors and said, let's all come in and share some ideas from the people like yourself who are at the coalface of it in whatever coaching capacity. And and surely we do get to the point at some stage where we say, right, well, what are our priorities here? We know that T20 internationals are funding everything. We know that the heritage of this game is test cricket. So how do we make sure that we are protecting um, the income, but protecting the heritage? Um, surely it means then that from what you're saying, that, we're needing domestic, long, longer form uh, form to get better. That something would have to go eventually, and and it, and it sort of probably breaks your heart to hear it and to to, to discuss it. But maybe it means that there's going to be a decline or or the, the taking away of one day internationals to make sure that long form strong, short shortest form strong, because that's where the game is at the heart of, but also that's where the game is being funded from. Sam, it, it's certainly something that I know a lot of people are discussing already. So it, it, it's, a, it's very topical in that mm. it, it, was, it was the irony was that when T20 was introduced, everyone said, oh, test cricket is going to suffer. And, and I, I, for one, was of the opinion that, you know, players want to play test cricket because that really is. It's called test cricket for a reason. Yes. You're a cricket player and you have, you know, a, a half, half a decent career, you've actually, it's been an amazing career because it really has tested your, your cricketing ability mentally and, and skill-wise. So the players, well, most of them want to play test cricket. So it's not a case of you've got reluctant teams who are, you know, who, there's enough great players who, who are still playing. But the 50-over game, I mean, they've obviously adapted it and, and made changes with regards to power plays and, and things like that. And they, they've tried to keep up to date with bringing people and, and making it exciting. But I just think if you compare it to football, you know, you don't you don't get many international games up until there's a World Cup year, and then teams play against each other and come together, and it's very much a club before country. Whereas cricket has just been, you know, blessed with so many amazing bilateral series that that for us, you know, and it's not just about the Ashes. There's some great contests over the last four or five years between India and Australia, India and England, South Africa and Australia. And, uh, you know, that sort of bilateral competitiveness brings out spice for everyone, you know, on and off the field. Yeah. But I think that the 50-over game is certainly, there's a lot of matches, because T20 still brings crowds. The 50-over game has always been an area of concern with regards to, you know, just filling the calendar because there, there is so much cricket around. So I'm, 
yeah, I'm with you there. I think it's a, there's a possibility that the bilateral series, especially, there'll be way fewer 50-over series going forward. Jonty, you were an innovator as a player. You took fielding to a level um, in one day as and in test cricket that it hadn't been to. And, and, and if you don't mind me saying, I think it started um, people looking internally about, well, how good are we in that space? And there, and I remember at the time when there was a conversations going on, who are you or Ricky Ponting or, um, so are you, do you have an awareness and an appreciation for what you've done in terms of advancement in the game for a long time, considered the world's best field? And you were more than that, three test centuries, 17 and a half centuries, uh, and, and, and big runs at, at one day international level as well. But are you, how does it sit with you, your place in the evolution of cricket? Well, it, it is it is always fascinating. I mean, I do quite a bit of work in India annually. So I'm, I'm spending at least two or three months of the year in India in, in various capacities around cricket and then even in, in corporate environments. So, you know, so that, that, that fielding um, sort of tag sits with me just comfortably only because it's something that I'm, I'm referred to or reminded of, you know, weeks and week in and week out while I am in India. Because many of the corporates that I speak to the sort of management, the people in the 30s, mid 30s to early 40s are now all management, but they were young kids watching cricket when, you know, when I was doing what I was doing. But I, it's, it, at one stage, I certainly felt like the father of fielding, but now I'm feeling like the grandfather of fielding because <laughs> what the guys are doing now is, is phenomenal. You know, it's, a, it's an absolute, it's such a, for me, it's exciting to work as a fielding coach in T20 cricket because of what the, the players are, are capable of doing these days so so yeah you know if because i had the the ability and that was through playing a multiple multiple sports as a youngster you know from cricket to to soccer to tennis um to hockey field hockey as well that that the ability to move is just something that you know that excites me when i see players who do that because you can have the best hands in the world but if you can't get to the ball you're never going to catch the thing so you know when, when, you, when you see people who who play other sports and you know ricky was a great mover in the field um but, you know not just that but and unerringly accurate with his throws. And that's something I was never taught to throw a cricket ball. You know, we kind of threw stones at things where we were kids in the neighborhood and, and that was pretty much it. So it's, so for me, which is why I threw myself into the stumps at that 1992 <laughs> World Cup, because I didn't back, you know, we needed a wicket desperately and I did not back my accuracy. So I backed my strength, which was my speed against Inzimum. But, you know, Ricky was phenomenal, but seeing, you know, Roy, the way that Andrew Simons used yeah. to field was the first big guy that could move really well in the circle and then also have, you know, great hands under the high ball, work the boundary so well with that bullet arm that he had. So, you know, he was he was the first guy that was almost a complete fielder, whereas Ricky and I were very much um, in the ring, you know, busy players, stopping runs, breaking partnerships through catches and, and, mm. and run outs. But, but Roy was the first... I think the evolution of the modern day fielder was certainly Andrew Simon, which is why I say I feel like the grandfather now, because it's definitely a, a, a you know, second or third generation on its way on the field at the moment. Yeah, let's be honest. You could have walked it up to the stumps with Inzamam, but no, yeah. <laughs> no, we would never have got the one, one of the most incredible images. <laughs> so, hey, we we have to discuss this test series. We've got about nineteen minutes and are yet to talk right. about a single ball. So. What did you think of the first test? Um, it, it, a bit of a, uh, yeah, it, it, it was almost a little farcical in the end, just a two-day test. Well, from a results point of view, obviously, and, and conditions, it was tough. I think, you know, everything 
if South Africa had the opportunity at the toss to to bowl first, possibly we would have been mm. in the game a bit longer. Uh, right from the outset, we knew that you know we, we brought a very strong and well balanced bowling lineup. But you can't say the same, you know, if you, if you speak honestly about the cricketing lineup that South Africa has. The batting is always going to be our weakness, regardless mm. of the surface, because we just don't have those guys who are churning out big hundreds. I mean, you think of the double hundreds that Smith and Labuschagne have scored already and, and, and Labuschagne's record with, with the time they've spent at the crease against the West Indies. We haven't had that. Many of our players haven't played red ball cricket you know, for months and months. So we, we always knew that the test at the Gabba was going to be a real test of our batting, regardless of the surface. Uh, two days, no one thought it would, would be done in two days. And, and unfortunately, we just couldn't stitch any partnerships together because Australia have a fantastic team attack. We know that, and if but if if we had the opportunity to kind of put Australia under pressure from that first morning session, maybe things would have been slightly different from that perspective. But yeah, not not ideal way to start for South Africa. But we've we've also lost the opening matches of Test series before and come back pretty strong. So hoping for that at the MCG coming up on Boxing Day. What do you remember of uh, the Boxing Day Test, Jonty? Oh, we we actually, you know, it, it was amazing. I mean, I, we we have never played red ball cricket. In fact, not even white ball cricket in in my my first series in ninety three ninety four when we toured here. Um, but what I do remember is a couple of things. One, there was a Madonna concert prior to us getting here, so the outfield was a little bit tough to to field on. I think Big Brian McMillan, Big Mac, uh, big heavy all rounder of ours, he damaged his knee because of what he said was the outfield. But I think it was just because he was carrying way too much. Um, weight on his on his big shoulders, and then I, I do remember Mark Taylor became the first player to score hundreds against every every nation because he got a hundred against us in that test. There was a lot of weather involved in ninety three ninety four. So we, you know, those four seasons in one day that we'd heard about Melbourne, we probably lost about two and a half days of play. So no result at the MCG in my my first outing. But uh, what I do remember was that Kepler Vessels had had a, a damaged knee, so he couldn't run, and I had a damaged hand, so I couldn't hit the ball. And we we had a partnership together, which must have been very boring to watch, because I was trying to tip <laughs> and run, and he was trying to whack it. And it's just, you know, as, as things went, it it wasn't an exciting and thrilling test, but just to be at the venue at the MCG for us was such a, you know, we'd read about it and heard about it. And, so amazing to be here as a cricket player. Yeah, at 35 of 124 with just one boundary for you at 28, a strike rate. But, hey, you were doing it under sufferance. So that's gritty yeah, and tough stuff. Uh, what are you expecting for this uh, test match? Yeah, as I said, I mean, we, we've had – South Africa have had slow starts before. There's been a lot of focus on Australia's selections, two issues for them. You know, Scotty Boland, does he carry on because he's been phenomenal? Um, the Hoff – Hazelwood, he's been such an amazing performer. Is he 100% fit? Because the side strain is always such an issue for a fast bowler, and especially a big unit like Mr. Hazelwood. Um, no disrespect, but you know, just what he does, he's been phenomenal in Test cricket. I think, you know, so hopefully South Africa, we've almost been under the radar, having been bowled out for two days and had a lot of preparation. And they know that from a technical point of view, it wasn't just the surface, which is my concern, is it wasn't mm. just the surface in the dismissals. There were a lot of guys stuck on the crease, and you know, as, as commentary in, in the SDN box, we were, we were talking about guys just getting stuck in the crease and great bowling areas for sure. Um, and Collar was calling when uh, 
when Scotty Boland came in the second dig and he hadn't taken a wicket after five overs. And sure enough, the man produced one. Um, Carlo was very excited when he when he called that 100% spot on. Mm. But it was, was, was also a case of we've, we've had extra time to work on our technical floor. So, you know, I'm just worried. I'm not worried. Uh, I'm just concerned that the players are a little bit... Because you could see they were tentative. And maybe that was because of the surface. Now, when you're not decisive in your movement, whether you that doesn't mean you you're smashing the ball around the park. It means you're not. If you're decisive in your movements, you can defend well. Uh, you can be positive in your defence, and that we just didn't see at all. So, you know, maybe maybe when you look down at the surface, it didn't look great, but it was a case of we have to put Africa to put that behind them, and you know, and just try and churn out some some partnerships because that, that really was lacking at the Gabba. John, I've got to let you go, but the question on everybody's lips is Hazelwood or Boland? Yeah, I, I made the call with regards to Hazelwood just because from a precedent point of view, I think what Australia have here, they have, we know they have a lot of good fast bowlers. Selection is always tough, but if there's consistency in that sort of selection, um, if Hazelwood's 100% fit with, and how do you know he must get, you know, the medical guys must pass him, I would go back to Hazelwood Firstly, because I'm South African and Scotty Boland rolled us over, um, but just just because of because of the precedent and you know and and, and what it sets and, and and how Australia have gone about it in the past, I would go back to Hazelwood if he is fit. Well, we look forward to hearing you debate that because Jerry Whiteley's uh, of the exact opposite view, and I can't wait to hear you guys uh, give your fours and against uh, and the rest of the team as well. So it's a joy to have you as part of the team, Jonty. It's been a pleasure for me to be able to speak to you, and I know from the people um, that will be texting in, they've loved hearing from you as well. Thank you for your time. Merry Christmas to you and yours, um, and enjoy the Boxing Day test and the rest of the uh, Australian Test summer. Awesome, Sam. Thanks for having me.